Hey friends, this is Truth Lies Shenanigans, the live show for Wednesday, October 14th, 2020. It's 19 days until the election. My name is Neo, and I'd like to apologize to our Facebookers out there. Unfortunately, we're having a problem with the stream on Facebook, but we're going to continue here on YouTube and Twitter. We are live everywhere. I'd like to welcome you all to our deep, fun, and crazy show, Truth Lies Shenanigans. Now let me introduce you to my co-host for the evening. Opposite me, the fashionista and foodie, Miss Liz E. Happy hump day, everyone. How many humps have you guys gotten in today, huh? <laughs> Good question. How many humps? <laughs> <laughs> All right, in the window yeah. below me, the gamer and IT guru, Mr. Rob B. Well, happy Wednesday. The day's not over yet, Liz, so there's still there's still chance for one. <laughs> Still time to get some humps in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, for today's show, it's all hot topics. We'll start off with our quick fire question. Then Lizzie will be telling us about our about Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who made sure we all knew that she adopted black children. Rob B will saying enough will be saying enough is enough with the pedophiles in the Catholic Church. And I'll be asking why media coverage on Kamala is nothing like Kane Pence. 2020. Mm. Remember, our streams are live just about everywhere, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, and we wish it was on Facebook right now, but we'll get that fixed. We'll get that fixed. Make sure you uh, go to at TLS Live Show, and you can also watch us at truthlieshenanigans.com. And of course, we always love it when you join the conversation. Make sure you invite someone if you can, but make sure you respond. You leave your comments and questions in our feeds live on air. We are looking at those YouTube comments and questions. Also, if you miss our live show, you can now listen to previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify. You can even ask Alexa and Siri to simply play Truth Lies Shenanigans podcast. Siri, play Truth Lies Shenanigans. <laughs> yes, Elizabeth Newman. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> All right, again, we have all hot topics today, but as always, we got to start things off. So let's get to our quick fire question of the day. Now, um, you got to keep this short and sweet, guys, because we are going to try to post this on our TikTok page. Everyone set? All right, so the question is, where in the world is Melania Trump? Melania! can't she be? All right. So when when Donald came down with COVID, she was also diagnosed, but she's been MIA since. But truly, we haven't seen her since the RNC, which is strange since her speech was well received and it's only 19 days to the election. So what do you guys think is going on? Where is she, Lizzie? So I think Melania knew that we were going to blow her spot up on today's show and do a (laughs) worldwide question. Where is Melania Trump? We haven't seen or heard from her until today. Um, until, what, what was it, two weeks ago? And so today we got a message from the White House saying that she's fine. She's no longer positive for COVID, but now their son, Baron Trump, has COVID. And keep in mind, Donald Trump, in the entire time, in the entire two weeks, never once mentioned Melania, never once talked about how she was doing, never once mentioned Baron Trump. All he talked about was me, 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 me. Even wanted to put a Superman costume on. To say, look, I have defeated COVID. So what do you think is going on, Rob? Where, where is Melania really? Where is she really? Uh, that girl's busy having insta fights with side pieces. <laughs> insta fights with side pieces. <laughs> All right, I got her drafting divorce papers and, and I got her filing them on November 4th. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's like Shirley McAvich, you know, the wife of the... Um, leader of Scientology, whom we haven't seen in almost a decade. I think Melania is starting to go down that path. You know, <laughs> where, where is Melania? We might have to go save her and free Baron Trump. I've already started the free Baron Trump campaign. We might have to start something for Melania too at this point. So you, you think Baron Trump is being held in uh, what? Activity of some sort? They gave their kid COVID. <laughs> They gave their kid COVID. So, yeah, he needs to be freed. Bless his little heart. He's still a teenager. (laughs) 
Yeah, but seriously, I, I do think she's probably going to be uh, filing divorce papers pretty quickly after uh, November 4th. Because I, I, I mean, I, I, of course, I'm assuming that Trump will lose. And uh-huh. she is as well. Yes, he's going to lose. We have to speak it into existence. We got to speak it into existence. Yep. All right. Oh, also, I forgot. So not long ago, she had those secret. I know uh, Rob B mentioned uh, <laughs> the fight. You know, she had that horn hooker Twitter fight. <laughs> well, with she Stormy didn't take, Daniels, she didn't, didn't take money. So technically not a hooker. Didn't take money. So technically <laughs> not a porn, hooker. But porn pictures, porn pictures. Yeah. Who, yeah, who was actually naked? So. I hope she's healthy, you know, but uh, like I say, and I know, I know COVID gives her. We do hope she's healthy. Like, even though I'm not a fan, I hope she's healthy. I hope poor Baron is healthy, you know, and is being taken good care of by those nannies over there in the White House. Um, But they have to do better. They they need to do better. As much as I hate Trump, I I don't hate Melania. I don't like her. I don't like her, but I don't hate her. (laughs) All right. So let me tell our viewers what Truth, Lies, and Shenanigans is all about. We'll be sharing our truths and opinions to you, with you, calling out those lies and pointing out the ridiculous shenanigans going on like we already have with Melania. But most importantly on this show, we try to have some fun with shenanigans of our own. One rule and one rule for the host, if you're caught cussing, there's a $10 penalty. If you guys are caught cussing three times in the same show, our viewers will call you out. He wrote me beautiful letters. You'll be writing a love letter. And they're great letters. We fell in love. Not that that matters so much to Rob B. It should be a funny letter anyway. But Rod B is like doing great. He hasn't cussed yet on the show. Yeah, I think you guys are in collusion. I, I think, you know, initially I thought like Rob was on my side, but now, you know, I see the bald heads, you know, the <laughs> you guys are both males. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on my own. I'm on my own over here. <laughs> Who said that? Come closer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get on to our hot topic. Truth, lies, shenanigans. This is the way hot topics work. I'll pick one of our hosts. They will let you know if their topic is a truth, lie, or shenanigans. Then we'll talk about it until we see our friend Genji, who will let us know time is up. Then we'll be looking online for your questions and comments, and we'll talk about it just a little bit more. Once we're done, we'll go into the next host and their topic. We're going to start off today with Liz E. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Liz, is this a truth, lie, or shenanigan? This is a truth. Um, Again, I always get, you know, the truth and the shenanigans. Um, (laughs) But this is a little bit of both, but it's definitely truth. Um, For those of you who are not in the know, but also those of you who have been following, on Monday we began the Supreme Court confirmation hearings for Amy Coney Barrett. So she is in line. Um, She is Trump's nominee to take over, to um, replace, if you will, um, the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away a little over a month ago now, if you will. Um, So the confirmation hearing started on Monday. They've been very testy. They've been very intense. Um, The Democrats, even though the Democrats have at this point, no chance of winning, um, you know, against her being nominated, but they have hit her with a lot of questions. And some of her questions, or some of her answers to those questions have been a little suspect. Now, for those of you who don't know who she is, she um, is uh, a lawyer. She has been on staff with the University of Notre Dame. She's very conservative. She is um, anti-Affordable Care Act. She's anti-abortion. She is anti-LGBTQ. Like, she's very conservative. She um, is also kind of against a lot of women's issues, if you will. But specifically, she was asked pointed questions this week about recent events in the United States as it regards to um, social injustice, if you will. So the first question she was asked that people took note of was in regards to George Floyd. We all know that George Floyd was murdered by the police in Minnesota back in May. So this was her response to the George Floyd 
question. Have you seen the George Floyd video? Given that I have two black children, that was very, very personal for my family. And my 17-year-old daughter, Vivian, who's adopted from Haiti, we wept together. My daughter, Juliet, who's 10, I had to try to explain some of this to them. I mean, my children to this point in their lives have had the benefit of growing up in a cocoon where they have not yet experienced hatred or violence. Hmm. So my question to my gents here, first and foremost, was that a legitimate response answer to that question? Or was she pimping out her black kids? Let's go to Rob. This one I had to really think about uh, just because uh, for those who don't know, I have two children from a, uh, a from a Jamaican woman. So my kids are darker than I am, and I've had to deal with racially sensitive issues from an outsider perspective in dealing with the kids. Um, as a parent, I can appreciate how difficult that would have been um, to have that conversation with the 10-year-old. Um, to say that the 17-year-old has lived in a cocoon and hasn't really experienced hatred and stuff, uh, okay, that's that's kind of a suspect statement, but it, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that it was an awful traumatic event and that in that at that time she had to play the role of a mother um does it lend itself well to political discourse and image sure but i don't think that i hope that she didn't set out to adopt black children specifically for career gains that would be Pretty, yeah, I mean, not just be unethical, but I, I think it was sincere. Also, okay. yeah. yeah, so my thoughts are, I mean, I mean, there was some sincerity to it, but uh, I didn't, I didn't particularly like the concept of they were in a cocoon, so they hadn't experienced hatred and violence. Um, because if you're Watching TV, you're experiencing hatred and violence to people of color. You're watching movies, you're experiencing hatred um, and violence to people of color. So I didn't like the fact that she's talking. Maybe, maybe they she felt as though uh, she's protected them from them from that. But the images every day that they're looking at and they're seeing, she's not. She hasn't really protected them as well as she thinks. That's why the George Floyd, if if they did wait, which they probably did. Um, I'm sure her daughters felt that um, because of the experiences they've had that maybe she's not aware of. But with that being said, I mean, is she pimping her kids out? I don't know that she's pimping them out. I know that the GOP is. I know that, that was certainly played a role into yeah. why they picked yeah. her. It made her, it made her a better pick. Um, but I don't think she adopted her kids with the anticipation of, you know, becoming a Supreme court justice. I don't think she, and the question was kind of leading to that. So, go ahead, religion. I mean, I think it's the same with Mitt Romney. Like, you know, people make comments about Mitt Romney because he has um, an adopted. If if I if I have the story correct, he has an adopted black grandchild. And people were poking fun of that particular um, truth about him. And I agree with you, Neo. I don't think that she, you know, adopted these two kids, especially since, you know, her oldest of the two adopted kids is 17. I don't think she adopted these two kids with the intent of using them as leverage or political gain. However, words mean a lot. You know, um, the way we frame things, especially in a public setting, it means a lot. And so for her to answer that question and immediately go to, given the fact that I have black kids, two black kids, reminds me of, well, I can't be racist because I have a black friend. Like you're not answering the question, if you will. Like the question was, how did you respond to George Floyd? And you really didn't give your response. You initially threw your kids into our face. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't have these two black kids, would your response have been different from a humanity yeah. standpoint? And then and what that's... about, you know, the, the other children in your family? Like, you know, this, 
I, I understand what she's saying that she has to frame it differently as the white mother of a black child that she has to have difficult conversations with her black children. But in the same respect, you also have white children. And so you have to talk about also their response and your, again, answer the question, what was your response to what mm -hmm. you saw that happened to George Floyd? And so that's why I was just like, okay, here we go again. Here we go again. And here we go again. Um, but no, I don't think, I don't think her intention in adopting those children at all was for any type of uh, political gain, anything that she thought that she could like, you know, use or pull out, you know, as um, a get out of jail free card, if mm -hmm. you will, in the future. Mm -hmm. I just think, you know, we, we need to, in 2020, we have to be better about how we speak on these issues in public. Mm -hmm. So that goes to my next point and that she was also taken to task this week um, in the confirmation hearings about her response or her defending racial slurs. So there was an incident that arose. I'm not quite sure what year this happened. I'm trying to look this up. Um, but there was a workplace discrimination lawsuit by a woman named Terry Smith, a black employee of the Illinois Department of Transportation, who sued the agency after he was fired. I said, a woman, it's a man. Among the discriminatory actions discriminatory actions that Smith alleges the IDOT allowed in what he considered a hostile workplace were being addressed to by the N-word frequently by his supervisor. Now, Barrett joined a unanimous three-judge decision, decision dismissing Smith's discrimination suit. She didn't think that that was just cause him being repeatedly called the N-word by his supervisor was worthy of a discrimination suit. So it begs the question, what about your black children that you were so quick to point out in one instance, as it related to George Floyd, do you not think that they would have just cause if they're one of their teachers was constantly referring to them as the N-word? If one of their supervisors was constantly referring to them as the N-word? Neo? Yeah, I think that she um, she doesn't have a, I mean, just her comment alone about her, her children being in a cocoon, I don't think she has a good sense of what it is to be black uh, in America. I don't think she has an understanding of what that is. And you would think that when we're talking, when she's saying cocoon, that she's protecting them, but I still feel like she's looking at it from um, her perspective. Um, and I don't feel like she's really putting herself in her children's shoes. Um, you know, I think like Rob B has spoken often about his children. And when you, when you listen to Rob B talk about his children and his children's experiences, um, he's often talking in a way that, where he's viewing it from their point of view. And I don't think she's looking at it. Right. I, I don't think she's looking at it like that. I think she's looking at it as her own point of view. And what she sees and what she believes they're dealing with, um, you know, as a as a white mother of black children. So I don't know that, you know, I don't know that it plays a role in her comments or her her thoughts on using racial slurs. And, you know, I, I feel like she's there's some ignorance here, you know, and I don't think her having black children you know, brings a light to that ignorance. I do believe that in the future. Going forward, there may be some opportunities because her children are about to be faced with some serious things. Uh, being in the limelight as the way they are, they're no longer going to be in a cocoon. And the way she put them out there, they're definitely not going to be in a cocoon. So she's going to have to empathize with their position. Uh, Robbie? Robbie? Yeah. And that's it. That's what I found really funny was that in her comments uh, about this particular case, uh, she was very dismissive of the use of the N-word in the workplace in the context that it was being used in the workplace. Uh, her comments were to the effect that it wasn't being used a, in such a way that it would impact his performance or the, those communications. It was just, 
it, it was flipping. So I'd like to further illustrate what Neil was saying that there's a there's an ignorance there, a, a profound ignorance, and you have to have that willingness to really see it from the other perspective. Did she empathize with her kids? Did she did her heart break with her children? More than likely, because it was very tragic. I, I know that I had to talk to my daughter about it, and that was that was very difficult, very challenging. But yeah, it's um, there's definitely something that's not registering. It's definitely something that's not registering. There, there seems to be like I agree with you, Rob. I think that there's a disconnect, if you will, and I don't necessarily think it's just about race, um, because my last point is going to be about LGBTQ. But I think it's something that we often see with people who are on the far conservative right, like they don't necessarily consider things outside of their experience. It's it's always seen through their lens. And then you, everyone else outside of that just has to adjust. And I'm not even sure if she's cognizant of it. Um, it, it sounds like she isn't. Um, it definitely sounded like she wasn't cognizant of it. So in yesterday, my last point, yesterday she was called out in the congressional hearings, in the confirmation or confirmation hearings about her reference to homosexuals, to people in the LGBTQ community um, as having a sexual preference, if you will. And she was immediately called out about that. That term is a source of contention. And she, for in her defense, she immediately corrected herself. Once it was pointed out that eh, that's problematic, she, she tried to correct herself. But then it, it begs the question, but do you not understand why even using that, especially someone who's going to be responsible for policy and laws in this country as it relates to this group? Do you understand why people might be cautious with you so flippantly using that term and having to be corrected in front of Congress and being reminded what it actually means? And, and I, let me jump oh, in. So, you know, I got to be honest. It's it's personally, it's hard to keep up with what is socially acceptable and what's not from, you know, month to month, year to year. Um, you know, I actually, you know, didn't know that uh, referring to sexual preference was a problem until you know you, you brought my attention to it. So I don't know that I'm going to hold that against her. I, I don't think I would but hold that not, against But this isn't anything new. This is something that has been... It's new to me, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like her, it's new to her. If someone exactly is... lives at that extreme end of the bubble, then even for someone that I consider, I consider myself to be enlightened, and you had to educate me prior to the show as to why this was considered offensive. So for someone who lives at the right end of the spectrum... I can see where that might fall off her radar, and I give her props for at least correcting herself when it was brought to her attention. I agree with that, which is, to me, that's the mark of someone who can at least learn a little bit. But she does have a lot of far right ideas that need to be corrected. And that's what I was going to say. Let me just get my jig semi in here very quickly. <laughs> All right, time's up. We gotta well, go ahead, make the point real quick. I did have one last point um, I wanted to make too. That that in itself to me, though, is very scary because, again, we're talking about someone who is going to be a, the next one of the next um, Supreme Court justices. And even before that, a judge who is responsible for law and legislation in this country, who can be making determinations about the LGBT community. So for you not to understand that to say sexual preference means that you are agreeing that these people are willingly choosing to be gay, to be bi, to be whatever, also means that they can choose not to be. Therefore, they don't deserve equal rights and protections. That's scary to me. That, yeah, that's, I can see the I can see the fear in that. Um, let me just get some comments online. Uh, Mike Winter says she didn't apologize for what she said either. Um, Rupka asks, "Do people, black people, have to justify themselves by saying they have black children? You know, because mm. white people tend to justify, you know." Thing. I have black kids. That's a very good question. Not have that Rob has ever, Rob's never person? done that. So it's not, that's not a generalization. 
Rob's never done it to us. He's never. You've never. never done that to us. But also, I, I don't think I have black friends who answer a question first. Well, because I have black children. Um, now, you might see as the conversation goes on, you might see black black mothers of black sons say, I have a black son, so I am concerned. But it's mm-hmm. not in a in a in a in a way that is like, okay, well, like I said, you know, I have black friends, so I'm not racist. It's never in that same vein. Um, you don't get that same feel from it. So I, I just think I think and, and again, I don't know this woman very well. Um I, don't I, either. I That's just one think thing. that there I think that there like Rob said, I think there's a lot of growth. There's a yeah. lot of growth. I mean, I, I want to say, so last time we, um, we talked about uh, the SCOTUS um, and the nomination, I think was when we were talking Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think episode 48. And I had, in that episode, Ooh, I said, Trump would... Huh? I said, look at you dropping the episode. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying to... to <laughs> I'm, actually, you want to know why I remembered it? It was because we had that post. Technical <laughs> <difficult>. <laughs> 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 no. All right. So anyway, I said uh, Trump would need to uh, would really have to put up a moderate. He would have to put up a moderate. Um, and, and to be honest, I think he put up one of the best options we could hope for from him. You know, now I, I don't know her very well, like you said. I don't know if she's going to vote or uh, along the lines that I would want or that she agrees with um, my things. But I I feel like her record alone. I mean, she's not experienced enough, obviously, but her record alone, I think that she she is a a decent candidate. And I think that if this were a different time and we weren't dealing with Trump, we weren't 19 days from an election, I think she would pass easily with uh, with bipartisan support. Well, one, she's only been a federal judge for two years. Right. Um, But also, I don't like. She's a decent candidate, but I don't think she would be a, the number one candidate. No, certainly not. Um, I, she's I she's certainly not the would... one that they would have normally picked. Because yeah. right now, because it's 19 days from the election, they had to pick somebody who could appeal to independents and moderates. Because and to that's, women. And to, they, right, they, and to women. And to women, yeah. And I, I do think she has some, I don't think she's going to be totally against our the ideals that we may want. I don't think she's going to be totally against them. I think it does say something that she has black children um, because, there will, like I said, there will come times where she's going to need to empathize with their situation. So anyway, uh, let's do anything else. I will move on. <laughs> that was a good topic, Lizzie. Thank you for that one. That was good. Thank you. All right. So... Thank the notorious ACB. Thank the notorious <laughs> ACB. Amy Coney Barrett. Yes. All right. So the next one is mine. Rob B., why don't you go ahead and do yours first? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. So um, what I chose for a topic this week is that there is a hearing happening at the Vatican. Uh, and this is based on some improprieties, some shenanigans that happened uh, from 2012 (laughs) to 2017 specifically, right? So um, the two priests are going on trial at the Vatican's criminal tribunal this week. And why this is significant is because there's been some major reform this year in Vatican law with the new pope, uh, biggest reform since 1984. So in this particular instance, they're really holding uh, Pope uh, Francis to task because he had made a speech where he had in December of 2017, where he said that they must adhere to a policy of zero tolerance for clergy who are sexually abused by children. And he begged for forgiveness for a sin that shames us, of course, referring to the church. So whistleblowers came out shortly after that and really put him to task. And uh, with the revisions made in March of 2020, Instead of just facing a regular Vatican inquest and a Vatican tribunal or papal tribunal, they're actually being brought forth on criminal charges because it happened within the city-state of Vatican City. So now it's not just the church that's going into this. It, there's an actual penal system. We know that this has been an ongoing issue. Uh, the church covers up. They relocate 
priests um, because they invest a considerable amount of money into training these people and then they want them to go out and do their ministry. So I guess the big one for me is it's happening in Vatican City. Is this the type of reform that you think is going to stick or is this just more posturing on the part of the church? So the church has a tendency to put on these shows and a lot of these cases get dropped simply because it's not done properly. Um, so, Liz, I, I, think I, it's I know that you feel strongly. <laughs> I think it's posturing. Um, first and foremost, this is not a big story in the United States right now. No one's talking about this. No, this is not on anyone's radar. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, because at, at certain times over the past decade, over the past 15, 20 years, this has been a big story. I think a lot of people, specifically Catholics, are tired of it. I think they want it to go away. I think they want to sweep it under the rug. And so for it to come back again, it's like, okay, well, whatever. It's just, we've been there, done that. And it's happening in Vatican City. It's not really one of, you know, the priests that we need to be concerned about right now, even though um, this priest has been accused of a lot of atrocious and disgusting behavior. Um, I think that there's still this element of let's just cover it up and move on. Like we've given out all these hundreds of millions of dollars in lawsuits or whatever. What more do they want? And the, the answer to that is we want accountability. We want people to go to jail. Mm -hmm. We want acknowledgement. We want to not have priests like like we talked about earlier, Rob. We want to not have priests shuffled from one parish to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And so I, I do think this is posturing because no one else is talking about this. Like before you presented this as a topic and, you know, I keep up with the news all the time. I, I didn't know this was going on. And so then I had to do my own research and, you know, govern myself accordingly about what was happening. And in the clip that in the article that you provided, there is a video clip within that article about the bishop who is in charge of this case, who was in charge of this one particular priest who is accused of sexual improprieties against young boys. Um, and he was responsible for um, reinstating, if you will, this particular priest, allowing him to come back into a parish, allowing him to continue to counsel young people, to continue to perform baptisms and have um, all of these interactions with young people. And he made no excuses, no apologies from it for it because he said, well, an investigation was done and he was cleared. And so I, I, I often say, where is the outrage? Where is, you're supposed to be a man of the cloth. You're supposed to be a man of faith. You're supposed to be, you know, one of God's um, earthly prophets, if you will. What would Jesus do? You <laughs> got a lot of people running around with these, you know, WWJD breakfasts. What, what, what would Jesus do? And so, yeah, Rob, I, I think it's posturing and it's sad. It, it's really sad because I don't think the victims in this in these cases have fully gotten justice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They haven't fully gotten justice. Everyone wants to sweep it under the rug. Um, and so, you know, good for the Vatican, like you said, to at least be acknowledging this, if yeah. you will. Um, at this particular time, but you know, here in America, ain't nobody, ain't nobody talking about this, it, yeah. it, and it's sad. I it's didn't hear sad. about it either. I had no idea. You guys know how I feel about abuse of children, so you know, it's for me, it's like one of the most egregious things you can do outside of murder. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, this, I'm, I'm glad they're doing something, even if it is posturing, um, but it's never going to be enough to me you know it, it's never going to be enough to you know resolve what they've done to these kids and the way they've hit it um and, and and to be honest it's not like it just happened over the last you know 
20, 30 years. This has been happening Sorry. centuries. 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 This has just been a way of life for these Catholic priests. So, you know, so sure they were sweeping it under the rug because that's what they've done. That's all they've done for mm -hmm. centuries. <laughs> so, um, like I said, I'm happy that, you know, it's it come to light and it's finally stopping. Um, and, and hopefully over time, it'll never happen again. I, I can't say never, but. Um, and that's why this case is so significant, because this is being tried outside of the standard structure where we have seen the systemic just cover up. And that's it. People have been moved from parish to parish, to state to state, to different countries. They've moved around the globe because they put so much money into training these individuals. They want to make sure that they get the most out of their um, out of their product. They they really do uh, out of their ministry. So now that it's being tried in a criminal court as well as the papal court, because Vatican City is its own city state with its own set of laws and. Yeah, a lot of it is steeped in uh, church tradition, but now this is being finally tried outside of that because it, there was a criminal act. And it's I think that we've seen a lot of that complacency occur and we've seen a lot of cases get dismissed because you often find inconsistencies um, are noted for the one of the major reasons for dismissals. Um, and People who suffer trauma may not recall it correctly at times. There will be inconsistencies in the story because they're dealing with a lot emotionally. Um, and a lot of these investigators, if you will, are not properly trained to investigate child sex crimes. Mm -hmm. Or the final report is being presented in a very biased way. And it's very important to note that the head of these inquests aren't the actual decision makers. They're just receiving the information and a recommendation from people who are doing the investigation. So I'm hoping, really hoping, that there will be some criminal charges and that there will be some damages paid out to these victims. And once the church starts paying out damages, like Boy Scouts of America is losing tons. They're losing out tons of liquidating huge assets and parks and camps because they have huge damages to pay. And until the church has damages to pay and they have to change their business practices, um, it's not going to change, unfortunately. But seeing, finally hearing it in a criminal court rather than a church court, that, that gives me hope that we are finally going to see some change and some revision in that system. Hey, let me get to these. I have one quick question for you, Rob. So do yeah. you think under the previous pope pope benedict that this tribunal this criminal court case would have taken place uh, it's you know what each pope enacts the set of rules as they can pope john paul ii had a very special place in my heart because he acknowledged and accepted uh, darwin's theory of evolution it's just like what the catholic church accepts it your, your scientists looked at it and it's good science hey of course, with an asterisk, somebody put that in motion. But it's it's nice to see that reform is happening. And Pope Francis, um, although I don't adhere to the church, I have to say that he seems to have a very loving message compared to his predecessors, compared to Pope Palpatine. <laughs> Palpatine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I caught it. <laughs> Took me a second, but I caught it. <laughs> All right, let me get Took these me comments online. Seconds. We do have some comments on, online. So uh, Rupka says, uh, the priests should face higher penalties just like cops should be. Uh, they are there to protect and serve with God. I've been reading the Bible, and uh, they, would, they would burn just like that altar. Mike Winter says, I heard about it, but because of ALF uh, dominating most of the news, uh, they hadn't focused on it. Uh, For those of you who don't know, when Mike Winter refers to ALF, he's talking about President Donald J. Trump. He does look like That's ALF. <laughs> I wonder if the youngins know what uh, who ALF is. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. He also said Boy Scouts of America needs to keep paying uh, all of their gay hating and and uh, 
and they had all those little boy complaints that the Catholic Church suffered through. Yeah. So, great comments online. All right, so I am ready this time. You ready, Neo? You ready? I'm all set. So, my topic is Truth, Lies, or Shenanigans. It's definitely shenanigans, straight shenanigans. All right. Not that we needed a report to know this, but uh, the organization Times Up Now released a report just prior to the VP debate last week. The report analyzed two weeks of news coverage after Kamala Harris was selected as Biden's running mate. They compared that coverage with VP candidates uh, Tim Kaine and Mike Pence in 2016. All right. So what it found was it found that one quarter of coverage of Harris included racist or sexist tropes such as describing the senator as uh, too uncooperative or too ambitious. Now, a whopping 61% of coverage surrounding Harris mentioned her gender or race, compared to just 5% of Pence and uh, Kane in 2016. 5% versus 61%. Now, as far as racist misogynistic language, the angry, the angry black woman trope was used 13% of the time. But that was largely fueled by, uh, by Trump calling Harris nasty, mad, mean. Um, and of course, they talked a bit about her birtherism, the birtherism conspiracy theories. Now, overall, Harris's ancestry dominated 36% of the coverage. Now, in contrast, Kane and Pence's religious backgrounds were more heavily discussed in 2016. That was around 20%. Now, if you can guess how much for Harris, 1%. 1%. Now, accomplishments. Let's talk accomplishments and career. 35% of the coverage of Pence and Kane. 35%. For Kamala, 31% of it talked about her actual uh, performance. Now, 6% of that, co that coverage used language that over-sexualized her. Or, or underqualified her merit. All right. So my question to you is, is this because of Trump and his normalization of racism and sexism? Or is this just the nature of being a woman of color running for office, regardless of the Trump dynamic? I'll start with Rob B on this one. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with Trump. I think it's just where we are. It's a snapshot of North America. Uh, it's uh, because I know that in Canada, even, you know, female leadership hasn't happened in quite some time. We have a lot of uh, MPs and representation uh, who are female, but to say uh, at top position, no. Uh, we had, uh, I think it was Elizabeth May. Oh, shoot, I'm having a gap here and I'm talking off the top of my head, but we did have uh, one female prime minister for whether a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and that was just an extenuating circumstance. Um, but I think that the status quo feels threatened by it. Uh, even when we had, uh, when Hillary was on the bill, she, it, the fact that she was a woman was brought up over and over and she was attacked on that front. And I don't know why gender is even an issue. It should be based on her qualifications and her experience. It just, yeah, it just blows me. It, it blows me away, but it doesn't surprise me that it's still happening. But I don't think it's a Trump thing. I think it's just more an indictment of uh, North American culture. Now, I want to point out one thing. This wasn't just Fox News. They did all, they did various media networks. So we're talking CNN, we're talking Washington Post, we're talking all across. It wasn't just like Fox News talking bad about her or talking, focusing on her sex and her um, her race. Lizzie? I just want to remind our viewing audience of um, these couple of quick points. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And this is a perfect example of that. No one, when Hillary was running for president um, back in 2015, 2016, if you will, um, there was a lot of things said about her as a woman, as a white woman. Um, the country 
does not like the Clintons. And I kept telling people that. But never once did people bring up her racial makeup, her pedigree, her genealogy, ask her to prove where her parents were from, where they were born, if she was legitimately a part of this particular race or that particular race, or even an American, if you will. Never once were people talking about her attitude and if she was an angry white woman or did Trump call her a monster, which Trump called Kamala Harris a monster not even a week ago. So this buys into this is a perfect example of what black women what critics, what um, scholars of Black history, Black culture have been saying for decades. Black women, especially Black women who try to exert any type of power, um, any type of confidence, if you will, in America, they're going to be shot down. They're going to be torn down, torn apart, overly analyzed. And to the point where it's like, okay, but what about the issues? I remember, you know, in watching all of the post-debate analysis about the vice presidential debate on Wednesday, mm -hmm. and some people were talking about how um, Kamala was very poised to a fault. Other people were talking about how she was too aggressive. And so as a Black woman, she's expression. damned if she does. They, oh my God, there were all of these memes. They did like point by point by point by point documentation of her facial expressions. But it it it, it acknowledges the Which were iconic, that she, by the way. I just want to point out they were funny. That's her her squint I mean, game is strong. <laughs> but to be honest with you, you know, they were pretty tame. Like, can you imagine me yeah. on oh, that yeah. panel? <laughs> Yes, like I can this, imagine you. Mansplaining know, <laughs> and talking down to me. And I've had supervisors like that. I think you would have been Trump like he wouldn't have been able to say a word. I've had to <laughs> check myself and my facial expression um, because you, you don't want to get fired, you know. Um, but this is just a perfect example of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Like in one respect, you are not being aggressive enough. You're seen as weak. But then on the flip side, people are saying, oh, well, you are too aggressive. You're the angry black woman. You have an attitude problem. You're overly aggressive. You can't be trusted. And so I, it's, it's the, for women of color, particularly black women in this country, because it might, and I keep emphasizing this country, because it, we have Rob on the panel and it might be different in Canada, but for in this country, Black women, we we have we are on the bottom of the totem pole in terms of how people view us, in terms of how people respond to us, in terms of how people socialize us, talk about us. I was just on a particular website, and I'm going to call y'all out, the GoGo Report, a particular website on Facebook the other day, which is supposed to be, you know, um, emphasizing and hyping up GoGo music in the D.C. DMV area. I would say 60% of those, and, th and this is a, a website that is um, promoted and that was started by black men. Most of the people that post on this website are black men. 60% of the posts on this website are mocking, shaming, degrading black women. Has nothing to do with GoGo. Nothing to do with GoGo. <laughs> shaming, degrading Kamala Harris. Every single post you see on this particular website and other websites like them about Kamala Harris isn't talking about her achievements. It's talking about the fact that, well, she's a half-breed. She's biracial. She married a white man. She's not really one of us. And so it's just like, ugh, can we just breathe it is and frustrating. be black women in this country like it, it's just so yeah i i i noticed what you were saying i i totally started following the points that you are making in this topic neo from the moment she even threw her hat into the ring to be president even before she was added to the you know the biden's ticket when she was a candidate for the presidency i noticed it when she tore rip biden a new one back in the debates for presidency 
they called her all kinds of names. So yeah, it, it's 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 the norm in this country. It's the norm. Okay, so and even now when I'm you know dancing to Gingy, it's like oh you know she's over sexualizing everything, black girl. <laughs> oh my God. All right, so my thoughts. Like, uh, I just want to get my thoughts in. So I, I mean, my thoughts are that. At this point, um, I think it's both. So I think that she would have gotten this regardless. I mean, you know, they would have talked about her race, her um, her sexuality, and her, her, I mean, I am surprised that religion hasn't been a bigger issue. Um, but I, I, I'm not surprised. I think no matter what black woman came to the when when Obama ran, it was the same thing. When Hillary ran, it was all about her being a woman. Just well, all it was, all it's about is differences. But I think in this Trump world, they are bigger. It's more. It's more intense. So we're, we're in this Trump world. You know, they are really. I think they're trying hard not to. It's funny actually when you kind of watch like Fox News and stuff like that. And I saw a comment uh, from Mike Winter: uh, the face facial expressions were criticized relentlessly by Fox Business. But if you watch it, because I told you, I, I do watch Fox News to get a different perspective from time to time. Um, they are trying hard not to attack her for being black. I mean, there are some that really don't care, like the Tucker Carlson's of the world. And uh, the, uh, uh, so they are, there are some people that will do it regardless. But it's really interesting to watch that dynamic. Uh, but like I said, I, I think it was inevitable. But in this Trump world, it's worse. Mm -hmm. All right. You have one so more comment, I, I Lizzie, actually, real quick. Well, I actually agree with you on that. So there was, um, in terms of Fox News, because they have taken a lot of hits um, about their overt racism or their disdain for mm -hmm. people um, in the black community, if you will. And so a couple of days ago, um, I think it was actually, I think it was during the presidential, the vice presidential debates, there's this one particular pastor black pastor, Reverend Daryl Scott, um, who is a Trump supporter, who is anti-everything on the left. So as he's commenting on the debates and talking post-debate post to Fox News, so he's talking to Laura Ingram, and he said that he thought um, Kamala was Hillary in blackface. Kamala. 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 I was excited, ah. upset. <laughs> Forgive me. He thought Kamala, a black man said this. He thought Kamala was Hillary in blackface. He called her the black Hillary, said that she was shucking and jiving. And so Laura Damned Ingram, when do, he said that, that, Laura Ingram, Fox News reporter, Laura Ingram, when he said that, was speechless. She was like, oh, oh, well, I. I, I don't know what you mean by that. Like, so yeah, I think Fox is kind of in, you know, heaven forbid, I'm like speaking up for Fox News. Know, but in right? that <laughs> particular instance, they were just like, oh my God, what is happening here? This isn't us. This is a black guy, a coon, as some of us would call him. This is a black hey, guy. Hey, didn't we say that that was, oh, yeah. Oh, $10, <laughs> 10 bucks. All right. <laughs> $10. Um, but they, Fox News was just like, okay, we don't want any part of this. We are not likening Kamala Harris to any notion of blackface. And that just goes to show you how deep rooted this issue is in the fact that she is a woman of color who could potentially be a part of the White House. All right. Let me get these comments. We only have uh, five minutes left, though. Let me get some comments. Uh, Daria Winter said the degrading comments about Michelle Obama as first lady, latent and overt comments are racist. Uh, <laughs> Rupka says educated melanin, like our professor Lizzie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, I don't have much melanin this evening with these lights. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Winter says Tucker and Laurel and Tucker, Tucker and Laura and Jeannie don't care. They will go there on everything, but use their code words for black. That's very true. That, that's the one group of people who, uh, <laughs> who really don't. All right, guys. That's it for Hot Topics. Great topic. Good discussion. All right. And we got to close it out. We've got like four minutes left. 
Game show time. All right. So today's game is truth or lie Bible trivia. We'll go round robin mm -hmm. style. <laughs> I'll ask you a question. Rob, which one of us is going to fail first? <laughs> which one of us is going to fail first? Mm. This was Rob B's fault anyway, because, you know, he had the whole Catholic, you know, Catholic church. Topic, <laughs> so. Um, so you'll tell me if it's a truth or a lie. If you get the answer right, you get a point. Person with the most points wins the game, and the winner will get the final thought at the end of the show. We're all participating, so... Let's go ahead and get started. So this is a sample question. Samson asked for an understanding heart slash mind to judge God's people. Truth or lie? Lie. Lie. You got lie? False? I got lie. I got false. That is right. That is right. All right. So let's start with uh, Lizzie. Truth or lie? Joseph's sons were Simeon and Levi. Lie. False. All right. That is correct. All right. Let me give you a point. Mm -hmm. All right. You know how I, I figured that? I was like, okay, Joseph's son, Mary and Joseph, Jesus. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, Robbie. Uh, Noah lived 120 years after the flood. I gotta say true. False. Noah lived. Uh, false. That is false. It doesn't give me the correct answer though. But that is. I false. can tell you that he was 900 when he built the ark. So. <laughs> and still procreating. Super sperm. Super sperm. And 900. All right, this is for me. The ten virgins took scrolls with them in the parable. I'm going with false. All right, that is true. That's correct. All right, give me a point. Oh, I might win another one today on the right track. <laughs> All right, Lizzie. Jesus re resurrected a widow's son in the town of Nain. The nine, Nain? True. Okay, let's see. That is true. That is correct. All right, let me give you a I remember point. the story vividly. True. Okay. Rob B. Israelites yeah. made a golden calf as an idol in the wilderness. True. Ooh. Correct. That is true. Piss God off. Piss God off. <laughs> golden calf. That golden calf. All right. Gideon was a king. I'm going to go with true. No, it's false. Gideon was not. Okay. All right. Gideon was on criminal minds. Gideon was an original cast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lizzie, you're in the lead. One more point, you win the game. So let's see. Oh, yeah, because Rob and I can't even catch up. So let's see. Aaron's <laughs> wife was Elisheba. Uh, true. <laughs> oh, correct. Good job, Lizzie. Lizzie I remember the Sheba. I remember the Sheba from the Bible. So, Queen yeah. of Sheba, yeah. All right, let's go. Good job, Lizzie. Lizzie. Don't you start thinking that I'm, you know, not a heathen. I'm still a heathen. I'm still anti everything religious. So. <laughs> Everything, huh? Okay. Everything. All right, let's get in some shout outs. All right, Lizzie. Shout out to our audience, our viewing audience. Thanks for sticking with us this evening. Um, hopefully you will join us back again on what day is this? Wednesday? Sunday on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, on all of our social media channels. We want to hear from you. We want to talk to you. And we want to engage with you with all of our truth, lies, and shenanigans. All right, Robbie. 
Uh, shout out to our audience, those who have tuned in and stuck with us live. Thank you so much for sticking through the technical difficulties. Special thank you to Neo for working out a lot of the technical difficulties along the way and sweating it out and then putting on a show without being all sweaty. So <laughs> I did pretty good. It's not, not too sweaty. Yeah, that's just a little oil from my, you know, oily skin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My shout out goes to Deja. It was very helpful tonight. If you if you're watching the YouTube Deja. channel, that Yanni Storm is our production assistant. Deja. So thank you, Deja, for all your help getting that together. All right. So that's my shout outs for today. Thanks, guys. Oh, we had. Oh, I do want to shout out. We have Mike Winner, Daria Winner uh, and Rupka stuck with us on the YouTube chat. So thanks for that, guys. All right. Let's close it out. All right. I'd like to thank all of you guys because we had a great show. Uh, we hope you maybe learned something new, gained a new perspective, or even got something off your chest. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe at TLS Live Show. And if Wait. you miss any of today's show and our Facebookers as well, you'll be able to rewatch shortly after the show ends. Or you can check out our clips online on YouTube and Facebook tomorrow. Or you can also, don't forget, you can also listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Alexa. You name it, you should be able to find us. Just ask for the Truth Lies Shenanigans podcast. Or simply go to tlsshow.com. Make sure you join our next live show, Sunday, 4 p.m., where we'll have book author Jeff Perlman, who recently released his latest book, Three Ring Circus, about Shaq, Kobe and Phil Jackson years with the Lakers recently becoming world champions again should be an incredible discussion and he'll be taking your questions and comments as well live so our winner for today's show is Miss Liz E what is our final thought I mean I'm thinking I like this YouTube only YouTube Twitter only format it means Neo isn't cheating as much I have a fair <laughs> shot to win a game so you know let, let's do this um, no seriously fans of Truth Lies Shenanigans thank you once again for tuning in please tune in on Sunday especially all of you Laker fans out there Jeff Perlman author Jeff Perlman author of Showtime and now Free Ring Circus is going to come and tell us all the secrets about the Kobe, Shaq, and Phil years. So you don't want to miss that. Sunday, 4 p.m. Be here or don't be anywhere. All right. Oh, and if you're on YouTube right now, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can catch us if, we, if you miss something happens with Facebook in the future. All right, guys, hit that subscribe button. On November 3rd, 86 out of 99 state legislative chambers are holding elections. There are 70 million young eligible voters, the largest and most diverse generation in our country's history. We have the power to shape our country and communities, but we, but need, we need all, all of us. us. So picture this. On November 3rd, we, we choose. choose. We choose who sits in 435 seats in the House of Representatives. We choose 24 senators and 13 governors. We choose the sheriffs, the DAs, and the judges too. With 70 million young eligible voters, we choose to align a vision too humane to be political. And make the future prouder than it's ever been. So when the alarm goes off on Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020, and you arrive at your polling site, to see freedom clocking two-hour waits. Vote anyway. When the machines stop working and your job starts calling because American democracy is running late again, vote anyway. 
Your vote is bigger than the color of your state. It is a revolution in motion. The moment you took to the streets and to the screens to share your outrage. You recommitted to our collective dream, which requires that you lift it out of hashtags and into DC and your communities. Because remember, this is the same year that brought a pandemic which disproportionately killed black and brown Americans and indigenous people. The same 2020 that took the breath of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Nina Pop, and Dominique Fells. So on November 3rd, 2020. Know that voter suppression will be present. Vote anyway. You will be discouraged. Vote, Vote anyway. Tuesday will be imperfect. Vote, Vote anyway. When every headline is shouting, shouting democracy and duty, duty and swing states. states. You will be asked to believe in a dream that never came to fruition for every American. And despite your best reason, you must uphold it because we can't vote a world into existence that we can't first imagine. The American dream is ours for the making. Come alive for ancestors who need you to finish their story. A story that begs for atonement. Cast your promise. Cast your promise. Cast your vote. Cast your vote. But vote.